The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning and welcome to church as we are continuing our message series looking at the different miracles of Jesus. And as we've been looking at these different miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth, we've been looking at the circumstances that those miracles took place in and finding how when we go through similar circumstances and similar life events, we can experience the power of Jesus in our own lives in the day and age in which we find ourselves. John chapter 9, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Verse 6, And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Let's pray, then pastor's going to come and bring a message. Miracles in messiness. How many of you have ever had a time in your life where you got really, really dirty? Anybody like that before and you just found yourself in a situation doing yard work and you just got dirty? Or you were working on a vehicle and the grease got over you and you got dirty? I I think we've all had seasons or situations in our lives where we found ourselves just a little messier uh, than we had hoped or planned for. A couple of weeks ago, our family decided to sign up for one of these family mud runs. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It was a a 5K mud run over in Sanger, and kind of the idea of it was you'd get your family together, and then you'd run a 5K, and in the midst of the 5K, there are these different obstacles that are intended to get you really, really muddy. And so we got to the front of the line, and I was so serious with my kids. I was like, we're going to win this thing, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to have fun. And sure enough, the day came, and it it was raining. And so we were out in these fields it was raining it was muddy and uh, the individual said go and our family we just took off you know we started running and uh, we ran for a while until we came to the very first obstacle and the first obstacle they had dug out this pit thrown a bunch of dirt and mud in it and then over the top they had put this netting of like these ropes and things and the intention was that our whole family would dive into the mud puddle and start swimming through it and come up the other side that was the very first one uh, we had done this with our uh, student ministries director, uh, the Taylors, and they have their daughter was with us. Uh, Lily came up to this. I don't know, Lily's what, nine years old or something like that. Lily got up to this thing and she just said, No way! You know, and she like walked around it. She was going to have nothing to do with this thing. And uh, that was just like her perspective on this. And we went through it and we ran a little bit longer. And sure enough, there was another obstacle that we had worked through. And every one of these obstacles, I think, was designed and intended to get you as dirty and as muddy as possible. We got to the end of 
this thing and with running through the mud and the rain and doing all these obstacles, we got to the end and not only were we exhausted and not only were we retired, but we were exceptionally dirty, uh, incredibly muddy, probably more muddy than we had ever been before, but we had had a ton of fun uh, in the process. We got done and they gave us medals and they took our picture and uh, it was a great time. I was very impressed with my boys. Uh, I couldn't even keep up with them. I mean, they were just going like crazy. They, they got to the end before I even made it, you know, and uh, they, they just had a great time with it. And, and as a family, we were getting exercise and we were creating memories uh, with the family. But in the process, we got really, really dirty. And isn't that sometimes the way life can be as well? You know, you, you've got this thing in life that you're moving toward, you've got this goal, you've got this thing that you're working toward, you're running toward, and in the process, have you, how many of you found that life sometimes gets a little messy? Every once in a while, life kind of throws something in your path that you weren't expecting. Something happens that you weren't anticipating, and, and before you know it, this, this perfect life that you had planned, you know, everything just going a particular way, and, and you come to something in your journey, and, and like Lily, you want to just say, uh-uh, no way, you know, you're just like, that, that, that was not part of the plan, and yet the reality is there are seasons in life that can be incredibly messy, that get awkward and get dirty. And we're going to talk a little bit today about miracles in the midst of messiness. Miracles in the midst of messiness. We're doing a Bible study, so let's just dive into our text. Notice what the scriptures say in verse number six. When Jesus had spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, this is one of the most peculiar miracles found in the New Testament. Oftentimes, when we think of miracles, we're thinking of these very big, grand, uh, you know, supernatural deeds that God does, and it's spectacular, and they're awesome, and they're wondrous, and you're just like, wow, God did a big miracle. This one's a little bit different, because this blind man here is brought to Jesus, and Jesus does something very peculiar. He, he reaches down into the dirt... He, he spits into it and then rubs it on this man's face. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems a little strange to me. It seems a little weird. Now, we've read this before, and some of us are familiar with the story, and we know it's going to happen, and so we just kind of skip over it. But imagine if that's all you had as far as context. You'd be looking at Jesus, and you'd be saying, what in the world is going on? Jesus grabs some dirt. He spits in it and rubs it on somebody's face. That's, that's a little bit strange. It's a little bit awkward. It's, it's a little bit weird, you know? It's interesting to me in this particular situation, rather than just touch this man like he had done in other scriptures, but rather than pray that he be healed like he did in other passages, Jesus chose to use mud made of dirt and made of some spit, and he just chose to rub it on this blind man's eyes as part of the healing process. And like I said a moment ago, this is, this is different. This is odd, this is weird, this is awkward, it's a little bit dirty, and it's downright messy, which brings us to the first point, point in our message this morning, and that's simply this, miracles are sometimes messy. Miracles are sometimes messy. You see, if you're anything like me, sometimes we can get the idea that whenever God is going to do a miracle, 
Like when the God of the universe, the creator of all that there is and the sustainer of life, when that God is going to do a miracle, it's going to be big, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be spectacular, it's going to be downright amazing. And, and we kind of get this idea that when he's doing a miracle, because God's so powerful and because he's so awesome and because he's so strong, that it's going to be simple for us. It's going to be easy to be a part of. It's going to be pretty straightforward. When, that is to say, when God's taking us through a miracle, we kind of expect it to be easy. When God's using us to, to be a miracle in the life of somebody else, we, we kind of think it's going to be pretty simple. It's going to be pretty straightforward. But I, I want to say to you, that isn't always the case. Oftentimes, when God is about to do the miraculous, it's messy. When God's about to perform miracles, oftentimes it's difficult. When God's going to do the supernatural, many times it's downright uncomfortable. You say, why is that? Because more often than not, when we find ourselves in a situation where we need a miracle, or there is an individual who needs to experience a miracle, more often than not, when, when that happens... That person who needs the miracle is hurting. Think about it for a moment. When you have found yourself in a situation where you needed to experience a miracle, or when you saw somebody around you, maybe it was a spouse or a loved one or a coworker, a neighbor, and you saw that they needed a miracle, more often than not, when somebody needs to experience a miracle, they are hurting. They're, they're either hurting physically, they're hurting emotionally, they're hurting relationally, or, or in some other one, but they are hurting. And I, I'll say this, hurting people tend to hurt people. It's just a fact. They don't mean to all the time. They don't intend to. It's not their desire. But when somebody's deeply hurting, hurting people tend to hurt people. And so when somebody's hurting, this person who's in need of a miracle is hurting, they will tend to hurt people. And so if all of a sudden now God wants to use you to be a part of the miracle in that person's life and you follow God's leading to lean into being a part of the miracle in their life, can I say this? There's a big potential that you will get hurt in the process. It will get messy. I can think of several, several situations in my life where I felt the Spirit of God leading me to lean into a situation. I felt his leading to, to, to engage something that was going on in somebody's life. And, and just to be honest, there have been times as I'm following the Spirit and I, I'm doing the best I can. I'm just human. I'm just a, a regular guy like you. I just, and I, I do my very best. And I, I've had times where in the attempts to lean in to be a help, trying to be a part of something in somebody else's life, I, I've had times where in that moment I, I've, I've been mistreated. All I was trying to do was be a help. All I was trying to do was be a blessing. I was just trying to follow the Holy Spirit. And, what, and all of a sudden I, you get mistreated. I, I've, I've literally had times where I've been yelled at as I'm trying to just help. 
not to exaggerate, I've, I've had times where I was just, just trying to kind of enter into a situation, be a part of, of, of somebody's development or growth. I, I've been cursed at before. All, all I'm trying to do is be a help. All I'm trying to do is be a blessing. And, and I, there's been times I, I've been taken advantage of and, and a lot of times been misunderstood through the process. You say, why do you mention that? I mention that because whenever God's doing a miracle in our lives or when God wants to use us to be a part of the miracle in somebody else's life, often it's extremely messy. It's easy to be misunderstood. It's easy to get taken advantage of. All of a sudden, all these things can start happening. But the reason we continue to lean into it is because it's always worth it when the miracle comes to fruition. But what some of us will do and what I'm tempted to do often is, is, is miss the miracle because, because of the mess. Rather than lean into the mess, I, I want to disengage from the mess. Rather than lean into how God is working, I, I want to get as far away from it as possible. And so in the process of trying to, you know, escape the mess, it's easy to miss the miracle. See, if you're, if you're not wanting to get uncomfortable, if you, you don't want to get your hands dirty, if you don't want to get into the mess, oftentimes it's in those moments we can miss the miracle. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 9 says this, My grace, God says, is sufficient for thee. Why? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, my friend, miracles don't always make things easy. And that's the illusion, right? If the God of the universe, the creator of all that there is, the sustainer of life, if God gets involved in something, then surely it's going to be easy. Surely it's going to be comfortable. Surely it's going to be something that's not difficult. And yet oftentimes when God's doing the miraculous, it gets extremely messy. And the mess is often a miracle in the making. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, the mess, and we experience this, don't we? How many of you have ever experienced a mess in your marriage? You've experienced a mess in your relationships. You've experienced a mess in your family, in your relationship with kids. You've experienced a mess at work. You, you've experienced a mess at church, and, and your life is just messy. It just starts getting complicated. It just starts getting a little bit difficult. You, you weren't planning on that to happen. You weren't anticipating this taking place. And, and all of a sudden, it starts getting messy in your finances. And it starts getting a little bit messy in your relationship with your spouse. And it starts getting a little bit messy at church. And it start, life just gets a little complicated. Life gets a little bit messy. It's not as easy as it once was. It, it's not quite as calm and straightforward as it once was. And now all of a sudden, it's it just getting a little messy i'm asking you have you ever been there before where life just got a little bit messy and you see what our knee-jerk reaction is when life gets messy is to pull away wash your hands of it throw in the white towel because we've convinced ourselves if it's messy then it's not of god if it's difficult then god must not be in it if it's hard, then God's abandoned me. And what I want to show you today and what I want you to see today is oftentimes miracles are messy. Just because it got a little messy in your marriage and just because it got a little complicated at work and just because it got a little awkward at church doesn't mean that everything's falling apart. 
oftentimes the mess is simply a miracle in the making. God's going to take that little dirt and he's going to take that little spit. He's going to take that little mud. He's going to take that little mess. and He's going to use it to make a miracle. You see, miracles are oftentimes messy. They're often messy. But let's keep moving. As I was reading through this passage, I was, I was thinking to myself, why did God use dirt? I mean, he takes some dirt, he spits in it. Dirt. Dirt is the most ordinary, common, banal thing that there is on the planet. There's nothing more ordinary than dirt. And yet, Jesus, in this particular situation, chooses to use something as ordinary as dirt, as ordinary as clay, to accomplish this miracle. I mean, think about it. There's no fanfare or fireworks as a part of this miracle. There's no lofty prayer to the heavens to accomplish this miracle. There's no spectacular healing service that takes place as a a part of this miracle. There's no fancy rituals. There's no magic wand. None of it. Just some dirt. A little spit. And the instructions to go wash it off. It's, It's just so simple. It's so ordinary. <laughs> Honestly, it's downright plain. Which leads us to the second thought of our message this morning, and that's this. Not only are miracles sometimes messy, but number two, I want you to see that miracles are often mundane. They're mundane. <laughs> you see, we think we know when God's working a miracle. We've convinced ourselves when God's in on something, man, it's awesome. When God gets involved, it's spectacular. When God's really moving, it feels amazing. But I'm here to tell you this, that is not always the case. In fact, there are many times when God is moving, when God is preparing something big, when he's planning something spectacular, and it feels very ordinary. It feels very plain, it feels monotonous, and we might even say it feels boring. But just because something is mundane, and just because something feels monotonous, and just because it's so ordinary, that doesn't mean that God's not involved. You see, the reality is, yes, sometimes miracles are messy, but other times miracles are mundane. You see, if we're not careful, we can look at our marriage and all of a sudden we think, man, it's just getting kind of plain. It's getting kind of boring. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that God's not in it anymore. All of a sudden, church is just not what it used to be. I, I don't feel what I used to feel at church. And, and so because of that, then, then God's obviously not working and God's obviously not doing something because I don't feel it. It feels a little mundane. It feels a little, you know, just kind of ordinary. It feels a little boring. And yet what we're going to see in this passage is miracles are sometimes messy and miracles are often mundane. And because of that, you and I often miss God beginning to work a miracle. We pull away. We're like, ah, oh, it's boring. 
Ah, it's mundane. Ah, it's so ordinary. And before we know it, we just kind of completely remove ourselves from a situation because we convince ourselves if God was really in it, we would feel amazing. But if that's the case, you have just misunderstood an emotional state for God's will. And I want to remind you today, it is a nice thing, it's an awesome thing when God's will feels amazing and it feels spectacular and it feels awesome and it feels good. But can I remind you today that sometimes God's will doesn't feel awesome and sometimes it doesn't feel amazing and sometimes it doesn't feel like this incredible thing. Sometimes it feels messy. And sometimes it feels mundane, but that doesn't mean there's not a miracle in the making at that point. Miracles are often messy. Miracles are often mundane. As you study the scriptures, you'll find that liquid is often a picture of the Holy Spirit throughout the Word of God. And in this passage, Jesus takes something as ordinary as dirt, and he adds his own little liquid, if you can allow me to use it this way. He adds a little liquid, a little spit to it to do a miracle. And essentially what Jesus is communicating is, I've got what it takes to make something that is ordinary as dirt very special. God says it's, it's not the substance, it's not the circumstance, it's not the situation that makes something amazing. It's what I can do with the situation. It's what the Spirit of God can do in the circumstance. That's what makes it special. You see, according to the first book of the Bible in Genesis, uh, the scriptures tell us that man was formed from the, let's get interactive. What was man formed from? Anybody remember? The dust of the earth, the The dirt. You and I were created out of dirt. Something as ordinary as dirt. And yet what this passage reminds us of is this, that even something as ordinary as dirt, when the Holy Spirit is able to join with that and we surrender to the Holy Spirit, Jesus can do something big with something as ordinary as dirt. And, and maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm nothing special and I, I'm nothing extraordinary and I'm nothing spectacular. I just, I'm an average, ordinary, everyday type of person. And I, I want to say to you this, that God can use ordinary average everyday people to accomplish some amazing things if you'll simply allow his spirit to work in you and his spirit to work through you Jesus says I've got what it takes to make the dirt special and you know what his spirit has what it takes to make you special to make your relationship a miraculous to take your life and do something unique and special with it it's because it's not about you it's about what he's capable of doing with you you see, Jesus often uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. He often uses the natural to do the supernatural. He uses the simple to do the spectacular, and he uses the mundane to do the miraculous. You see, Isaiah chapter number 55 says, your thoughts are not my thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. You say, if it were all up to us, we would never let our lives get messy. 
If you and I were God, our lives would never get complicated. If you and I were God, we'd never let our lives get awkward or uncomfortable or messy or difficult. If we were God, we would say, nope, nothing to do with it. But God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And sometimes God, in his sovereignty and in his uncomfortable grace, allows our lives to get a little bit messy. He allows our lives to get a little bit difficult. He allows our lives to sometimes grow a little bit mundane and just because life is messy and just because life is mundane doesn't mean that he's not working a miracle underneath the surface. But you know what we do when life gets messy and when life grows mundane? We run away from the situation. And in running away, so often we miss out on the miracle that was in the making. Miracles are messy. Miracles are often mundane. <laughs> Notice verse number two. The Bible says Jesus saw a man that was blind from his birth. Verse two, his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I, I want to pause here for just a second. These disciples were a little bit confused by the circumstance. And, and I, I'll say this. How many of you have ever been there before? There's something that's happening in your life and you are just confused. You're like asking questions. Why did this happen? That's what the disciples are saying. They don't get this. They're like, who's to blame here? Who, who did something wrong? They're just, they're confused. <laughs> Have you ever been confused by something that happened in life? You're confused by how your spouse could do that to you. You're confused on how your parents could allow that. You're, you're confused about why this happens at church. You're confused about why your future is coming together the way that it seems to be coming together. And you look at the circumstances and situations of life and you're just confused. Notice what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 3. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. Here's what Jesus says. Nope. It has nothing to do with anything in this physical realm. And can I say this? Some of us find ourselves confused and asking questions and wondering what's going on with our lives when really what we're experiencing is just the consequences of being a part of a broken world. Why did this happen? It's just a part of life. And I hate it that there are people and you've experienced bankruptcy and for some folks they've had health situations and they've had relationships kind of fall apart at the seams and some of you have experienced sickness and you've seen people around you pass away and you're just confused by it all. And, and one of the reasons we grow confused is because we've allowed ourselves to believe that this life is all that there is. But my friend, this thing called life, these 70, 80 years that you have on planet Earth is just a blip on the radar of eternity. It is not all there is. If this is all there was, it would make no sense. But the reality, it's not all there is. And we need to live in light of the grander reality that yes, while we might spend a few moments here on this planet, for all of eternity, life will be as it was meant to be 
No sickness, no pain, no betrayal, no hurt, no messiness, no mundane monotony. Life will be as God ultimately designed it, but this earth is not. So they're confused. And Jesus said, nope. It has nothing to do with what he did. It had nothing to do with what his parents did. See, we want to blame people. We want to find the answer. Why? Why? We get so confused. Notice what Jesus says at the end of verse 4. Verse 3. He says, neither this man sinned nor his parents. Notice this. But that the works of God should be manifest through him. You say, why does God in his sovereignty allow the mess? If God really loved me, he wouldn't allow my life to get so complicated. He, he wouldn't allow my life to get so difficult. He wouldn't allow life to be so painful. If he really loved me, if he really cared, then life wouldn't get this way. Marriage wouldn't get this way. My future wouldn't get this way. My relationships wouldn't get this way. But God says there's a reason. And that's that the glory of God would be made manifest. You know what? Oftentimes why God allows messes and pain and difficulty in our life is so that his glory can shine through the situation. You see, when your life is perfect and everything's going exactly to plan and there's no messiness and there's no mundane monotony and there's no pain and there's no difficult, it doesn't take an act of God for you to have peace and joy and love. You don't need God in those perfect circumstances, but when life hits hard and the messiness and the monotony of, the, of life just smack you in the face and punch you in the gut, the reality is in that moment you can't experience joy and peace and love that are anchored to circumstances. You need God's glory to work in and through your life. You need God's spirit to give you a peace that passes understanding because your circumstances ain't gonna give it to you. And you need joy unspeakable that you can't explain because the situations of life are not going to hand it to you on a silver platter. And what God is saying here is he's reminding us that, yes, sometimes these things happen so God's glory and his peace and his joy and his love can transcend the situations and transcend the circumstances of life so that he can be glorified through you. There's no glory for God when everything in your life's going perfect and you act happy. It doesn't take God but to experience deep, abiding joy in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of a mess, in the midst of difficulty, that takes the glory of God to accomplish. Disciples are confused. Why, God? Why? He said that the works of God would be manifest through him. God says, I've got a plan which leads us here to the final thought of our message, and that's this. Not only are miracles messy, and not only are they mundane, but miracles are a message. God uses everything in our life to accomplish his purposes. He doesn't waste anything. Do you believe it, church? He doesn't waste anything. All things can work together for good. The mess, the pain, the trial, the difficulty. 
it's not just that he will work in spite of those things. Your God is so powerful. Your God is so strong. Your God is so sovereign that he can literally use the broken mess, the pieces of your life, and literally use those broken pieces to make the miracle. A miracle that would not be possible without the brokenness. A miracle that would not be possible without the mess. It doesn't mean that the mess is good. It doesn't mean that the problems are godly. It just simply means that you have a God that is bigger than the mess. A God that is bigger than the trial. A God that is bigger than the pain. A God who is not limited by the brokenness of somebody around you. Your God's bigger than the mistakes of your spouse. Your God is bigger than the pains of your life. Your God is bigger than the sorrows that life throws at you. He can take everything and use them to make the miracle. That's how big your God is. That's how powerful your God is. And that, my friend, is how much he loves you. He's not limited by the mistakes of other people. He's not limited by circumstances that don't seem to be going right. He's got a message in the miracle. You see, suffering and sorrows become steps. Pain becomes a platform. Miracles become a message. And the victory that emerges becomes a voice, a voice of hope to those around you, a voice of victory to those who see your life as it radiates the glory of God. And all of this reminds us that problems, they are not pointless. And pain is not purposeless because God works all things together for good to them that love him. Miracles are sometimes messy. Don't, don't, don't move away from a messy situation because you've convinced yourself God must not be in this marriage anymore. It's got messy. God must not be in this church anymore. It's getting a little complicated. God's not in this relationship anymore. It's getting a little bit hard. Just because something got hard and just because something got complicated and just because something got awkward and just because something got messy doesn't automatically mean that God's not in it. They're messy. Sometimes they're mundane. Just because thing, life gets a little boring and your marriage gets a little monotonous and church gets a little routine and you're not feeling it like you once did doesn't mean that God doesn't have a miracle in the making. So what do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a God-ordained mess, okay? We're gonna, I want to give you just a couple practical things from this passage. What do we do? Man, you're running through life. Woo, you're doing good. It's raining a little bit. It's getting a little muddy, but you're handling it. And all of a sudden, you come to the first obstacle, and all your heart wants to say is, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> no, not doing that, God. Uh-uh. What do you do when you find yourself in the middle of a God-ordained mess? Notice verse number seven. Verse number seven. And Jesus said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, verse number six, let's look at this. And when Jesus had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind men with clay. As you read this passage, what's interesting to me is there's never a moment where Jesus explains to this man what he's doing. 
If, if you've ever been to a doctor before, more often than not, when they're doing something, some type of procedure, or they're, they're, they're going to perform some type of um, you know, uh, procedure on you, they usually are going to articulate what it is they're doing and why they're doing it, and they're trying to explain as they go. In this passage, Jesus never explains to this man what he's doing. Grab some dirt, spits in it, makes some mud, slaps it on the guy's face. No explanation. Now, if I were that guy, I'd just be like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> you want to fill me in a little bit? And all of a sudden, God in his sovereignty, he allows something in your marriage. It just gets a little messy. And it's one thing when it's messy, and it's another thing when God's not seeming to explain himself. Like, God, why are you allowing this? Something happens in your family. It gets a little mundane. It gets a little monotonous, and God, God just seems to be silent. And you're like, God, I think I could handle this a little bit better if you'd explain yourself. But in this passage, he never does. Which leads us to the first thing that we see from this passage. What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a God-ordained mess? Number one, just permit God's uncomfortable grace in your life. When it feels like God's taking some mud and smearing it on your life, and you're in the middle of a God-ordained situation, you're in your marriage, it's a God-ordained situation, but it's, it's getting a little messy and muddy complicated, awkward. You're in a relationship with church people and you, you got a relationship with the church and all of a sudden it's feeling a little awkward and it's feeling a little messy and it's like, oh, this is getting boring and mundane, but it's a God-ordained thing. Can I say this? Permit God's uncomfortable grace in your life in those moments. See, here's what happens is we take a bad situation, guy's blind, and we make it worse by fighting it in our spirit. No, God, I, no, you, you can't do that. I'm already blind. Why are you smearing mud on it? You're just making a bad thing worse. And so all of a sudden, we're in our marriage, and, and something happens that gets a little more complicated. We're like, I'm done with this. I'm over. All of a sudden, relationships get overwhelming. Church gets a little mundane. It gets a little monotonous. All of a sudden, finances get a little bit. And we're just like, I'm going to throw in the towel. But I want to say this. If you're in a God-ordained situation, simply permit God's uncomfortable grace in your life. Here's what's amazing. Uh, notice this in verse number six. This is amazing. It says, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And notice this, this is, this is amazing. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man. It doesn't say he smeared clay on the eyes of the blind man. No, it doesn't say he just kind of dabbed the eyes of the uh, blind man. No, it says he anointed. Anointed, that's an interesting word, anointed. In the Old Testament, you see anointings happen when a king is about to be ordained, Samuel comes to David and he anoints him. Why? He's going to be king. In the New Testament, when there's going to be a healing taking place, they'd anoint them. You see, an anointing was something that happened when something good was right around the corner. An anointing takes place because God's planning for something great. He's preparing for something good. And the Bible says that Jesus was anointing. You see, what this man might have called a trial, 
and what he might have called a challenge and what he might have called a problem, what you and I might call absurd and what you and I might call ridiculous and what you and I might call irrational and senseless, God might be calling an anointing. You're saying it's annoyance. He's saying it's an anointing. You see, from hindsight being 2020, we don't know what's going on. We think mud's being smeared on our face. We think life's getting more complicated. We think it's getting a little bit more messy. And God's saying, no, I'm using what you're calling senseless. I'm calling an anointing. He's preparing the making for a miracle with that that you don't understand. He doesn't just smearing junk on people's faces. He's anointing them. He's preparing them for something great. He's planning for something better. What do you do? You permit God's uncomfortable grace. Notice verse number seven. And Jesus said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Like I said a moment ago, he never explains this. He never describes to this man what's going on. Here's this man who can't see. And now after meeting Jesus, this is no joke, after meeting Jesus, he's now a man who cannot see with mud on his face. Hey, you met Jesus. What happened? Well, I used to be blind. I'm still blind, but I got mud on my face now. Where are you going? No, oh, he told me to go this way. Ah, he's going. Jesus said, go, this man is blind, and so now with blind, he's just, he's, he's blind, get the picture here, he's blind, Jesus said, go, he's going, he's blind, he's got mud on his face, he's walking, he's bumping, he's, he's going, uh, get this, he's practicing blind obedience, Jesus never explained what was going on, Jesus never Help them figure it all out, which leads us to number two. What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a God-ordained mess in a marriage, a church? It's just awkward. It's just complicated. It's getting difficult. What do we do? We practice blind obedience to God. We just obey God even when it doesn't make sense. You see, if this guy would have said, you know what? It was bad enough that you smeared mud on my face, but now you're telling me to wander through the streets. I, it's, that's humiliating. I mean, it's bad enough that I'm blind, and now you're going to make me walk through the streets in public with all this smeared all over my face. Humili- I'm not doing that. You're not even explaining to me why you're making me do this. I don't even know what's going to happen once I wash it out. Jesus never told him. He just practices blind obedience to God. But think about it. From the moment God said to go, as he's walking through the streets, blind, mud, maybe he's feeling a little bit humiliated, maybe he's feeling a little bit weird, he's feeling a little bit awkward, he, he's not running away from it, he's just still trying, he's blindly obeying. There's a moment in between that happening and where he ultimately is healed, between verses 7 and verses number 8, that he just keeps moving. Even though it might be a little humiliating, even though it didn't make a lot of sense, he just, he keeps persevering, which leads us to number 3. What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a God-ordained mess? That means God allowed it for once, some reason, in his sovereignty, we permit God's uncomfortable grace. We don't fight against it in our spirit. We surrender. We say, God, you're in control. We trust you. We practice blind obedience to God. We just say, God, I, I know, you, I know I, I'm not getting it. I don't know why you're making me do this, but God, I'm just going to obey. I'm going to obey what you have to say. And number three, you persevere through the messy middle. Because there's a moment from when you're meeting Jesus and you're like hearing his voice and all of a sudden he's going to tell you to do something and you no longer hear his voice. And you're walking away, and it's like, man, he doesn't, it's like, what's going on here? And you, there's going to be moments where you have to persevere and, and do what he 
he, he's telling you to do, even though he doesn't feel as close. And it's, I like to call it the messy middle between the, the first experience and, and the ultimate conclusion. It's the messy middle. And, and so many of you are in the messy middle right now. You're in the messy middle of a relationship. You're in the messy middle of a trial. You're in the messy middle of a financial difficulty. You're in the messy middle. And, and you're like, I, I'm trying to blindly obey God. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's saying. I'm, I'm trying to per, per, persevere. I'm trying to practice blind obedience. I, I'm trying not to resist this thing. I'm trying to sur- be surrendered. And I'm just going to encourage you. There's going to be time where you just have to persevere in the messy middle of life. And it's hard. It's humiliating at times. It's difficult. It's mundane. It's boring and it's monotonous. But it's also a miracle in the making. Oftentimes, I've seen where a lot of Christians and good-meaning people have missed the miracle because they're always looking to avoid the mess. And in running away from the mess, they're actually running away from a miracle. Ask God for the grace to lean in. Take this away and we'll be done. I want to encourage you to dress the mess. Rather than every mess and every mundane situation, every boring, every if it's a God-ordained thing in your marriage, it's a God-ordained thing in your family, it's a God-ordained thing with your church. And, and I know those things get awkward and those relationships get messy. I get it because we're human beings in a broken world. But can I say in this God-ordained situations, lean into the mess, address the mess, and let God manifest the miracle. Because in running away from the mess, you might be running away from the miracle in the making. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.